Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, February 21st. Coming up, with congressional redistricting out of the limelight for now, education issues are moving to the forefront. In Topeka, the Kansas legislature, uh, education is just first and foremost in a lot of the committee meetings and policy debates. And in Jefferson City, critical race theory bills and parents' bills of rights for some of the first bills heard over in the House Education Committee. Some of those have been passed out and we can expect them to come to the floor soon. But first, our regular Monday look at what's happening in state government and politics and why it matters. We start with a bill in the Kansas House that would block the governor from making any changes to the state's Medicaid program without legislative approval until at least 2025. The Republican supporters of the bill say CanCare is running smoothly right now, and this will keep it that way if a new governor takes office next year. Medicaid officials say the bill would delay Democratic Governor Laura Kelly's administration from making quick changes if they're needed. No problem, though, says Republican John Barker of Abilene. When we have an emergency... I'm always amazed how fast we can actually come together and work. The House committee is waiting for Attorney General Derek Schmidt, who is seeking the Republican nomination for governor, to weigh in on the bill's legality. Meanwhile, in Missouri, a law passed by last year's General Assembly, known as the Second Amendment Preservation Act, continues to come under fire. Last week, the state Supreme Court heard arguments that the law, which prevents Missouri law enforcement from enforcing federal gun laws, is unconstitutional. And now, the U.S. Department of Justice has weighed in, suing the state and federal court for discriminating against federal agencies and undercutting the principle that U.S. law has precedence over the states. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who has himself filed numerous lawsuits to prevent the enforcement of Biden administration policies, called the lawsuit against Missouri's law, quote, a partisan attack. Earlier this month, the Missouri House passed a supplemental budget that stripped out Governor Mike Parson's proposal for a statewide $15 an hour minimum wage for state employees. Now, a state Senate committee has restored the increase to the bill that will now move forward to the Senate floor. Democrats have sided with the Republican governor on this increase, and one of them, Representative Peter Meredith, says he thinks his House colleagues will come around to support the increase if it makes it through the Senate. I've talked to a whole lot of Republicans, even back when we first passed it in the House side, um, that that said they agreed with us and they agreed to the governor on, on this and that they would support that after the Senate restored it. The bill also includes expanded Medicaid funding and nearly $2 billion in federal education funding that must be approved by March 24th or else be returned to the federal government. Congressional redistricting has sucked a lot of the oxygen out of this year's legislative sessions in both states. But now, with the Kansas map headed to federal court and the Missouri debate on hold thanks to a group of immovable senators, the rest of the legislative agenda is getting some airtime. Tessa Weinberg covers education and health care for the Missouri Independent, and Suzanne Perez covers education policy for the Kansas News Service. Suzanne told me it's been all education all the time last week in the Kansas legislature, and I asked her about that. 
The Kansas legislature uh, education is just first and foremost in a lot of the committee meetings and policy debates. One of the issues that's uh, creating the most buzz, of course, critical race theory or or really just sort of the teaching of um, issues of diversity and race and history and culture. That is has basically um, evolved into some new proposals called a parent's bill of rights. So uh, just recently, both houses in the Kansas uh, legislature legislature are looking at uh, measures that would you know basically declare that that parents are the deciders for their children and then and that these particular uh, measures would also require school districts to post lots of um, teaching materials and not not particular specific lesson plans but teaching materials activities guest speakers field trips all of those things online and yeah it's it's uh, it's been interesting to watch what have the lawmakers been hearing about that how do educators feel about those kinds of uh, requirements being put in place well, in the hearings uh, already that, that were held last week, a lot of the opponents were teachers saying this would uh, just add to the workload that's already incredible <laughs> for teachers. And and then they also say that a lot of this stuff is readily available, that this is sort of duplicative, asking districts to put all these materials online in a different way would just sort of add paperwork and add time and effort to something teachers already make available to parents if they just ask. And and where do those bills stand? Uh, where are they in the process? And are they do they appear to be uh, on a smooth, uh, smooth ride to passing? They've gotten a lot of support from a Republican majority in these committees so far. Um, the House committee passed out the Parents' Bill of Rights along with uh, several other measures. They, they, they did sort of the, <laughs> the sausage making that we talk about in the Kansas legislature and others, I'm sure, where they, they combined a lot of bills, a lot of, a lot of big policy bills in uh, the K-12 budget committee. One of the things that was uh, most controversial in this proposal was one that would have done away with the objective. Uh, obscenity loophole for schools and libraries. Um, it would have opened up teachers and librarians potentially to criminal charges if they distributed material that was harmful to minors. Uh, that got uh, the, the the committee struck that language mm-hmm. out of the bill before they passed it through. But it has been passed through. It's headed to the floor. So Tessa, these sorts of measures have also been discussed in Missouri. I know. Are, are they making any headway this year? Definitely. Critical race theory bills and parents' bills of rights were some of the first bills heard over in the House Education Committee. Some of those have been passed out, and we can expect them to come to the floor soon. Um, we haven't seen as much movement in the Senate, um, in part because there's been a lot of dysfunction on that side. We haven't seen much movement about anything in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there had been amendments offered to try to ban the teaching critical race theory in universities that failed to gain traction, but that definitely doesn't mean the issue is dead. Many of the Republican senators said, you know, critical race theory is a topic they're hearing from on their constituents, something they do want to take action on, but they feared that the bill it was being attached to that would renew a college scholarship program for adults, that attaching that amendment was going to jeopardize the underlying bill. And so I definitely will expect it to come up in other ways. Though. And Tessa, it's important to note that this isn't really just a coincidence that the same kinds of topics are being discussed in Kansas and Missouri. They're being discussed all over the country. There's there's a national movement that's trying to get this kind of legislation passed. Definitely. Yeah. And we've seen it seems like parents and um, on both sides of the issue are really galvanized on it. 
Um, it has been interesting. The House Education Committee um, and Senate Education Committee really put this as a focus um, last year, held a bunch of interim committee hearings on the issue, and Missouri State Education Department had said the vast majority of schools um, are not teaching critical race theory in K-12 through schools. They even surveyed school districts, and of the over 400 that responded, nearly all of them said they didn't teach either topic but critics have really felt that you know, critical race theory is still being taught perhaps under different names and have kind of criticized some of those attempts, um, such as that survey feeling that it was flawed because schools were self-reporting. I want to turn from education to uh, health care and various ways that that's on the, the agenda of both states' legislatures this year. And health care, specifically Medicaid, is on the agenda. Legislators in both states want to make some changes to how the program that provides health care to low-income people is administered. Uh, Tessa, on the Missouri side, even though voters have approved expanding who is eligible for benefits and courts have said the state has to fund that, uh, that effort, there is still uh, an attempt being made to go a different direction. Direction. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the House is poised to send to the Senate a bill that would basically ask voters in the form of a constitutional amendment whether they would like to institute work requirements for Medicaid recipients, and it would also require a specific appropriation be allocated by state lawmakers each year in order to fund Medicaid expansion. And if lawmakers did not appropriate funds for that, then those recipients would not get health care. And so it seems a pushback to the voter-approved Medicaid expansion. And I know advocates, I think, have said that it remains to be seen where things go, but it kind of is leaving them in limbo as they try to work to get people signed up. And it remains to be seen, you know, if Medicaid expansion will still be in place in a year's time from now. Even though voters approved it, even though the court said they have to do it. And Suzanne, Medicaid expansion will be on the agenda on the Kansas side of the state line, too, although uh, it's not clear how much traction that will get, right? Governor Laura Kelly was hoping to make good on on her 2018 campaign promise to expand Medicaid um, with with new legislation legislation that was introduced last week. She said uh, she wants to expand can care. And this is a, a long time battle here in the Kansas legislature. So it would also create a, a lot of jobs that she says would strengthen the state's economy. Tessa, there's some other federal funds that Missouri officials want to control. You reported last week on an effort to assert state control over certain federal money related to family planning. Tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of lost amid the answers of former State Health Department Director Donald Karoff's um, nomination hearing that happened last month. Um, He briefly mentioned that the State Health Department had applied to oversee Title X dollars that come to the state. Those are federal family planning funds. And it would be a huge change if the State Health Department did oversee those funds for the past 40 years. A nonprofit has been the sole grantee that then administers those funds to healthcare clinics. And um, those funds have been the subject of a lot of debate, even on a federal level. We saw the Trump administration had instituted a rule that basically barred providers that refer for abortion services from receiving those funds, which caused Planned Parenthood affiliates, including in Missouri, to leave the program. They've since rejoined, and the Biden administration has um, rolled back those Trump administration rules, which is something the Missouri State Health Department joined a coalition of other states um, to challenge and try to block that. And so it remains to be seen. Health and Human Services Department at federal level wouldn't comment on 
you know, who has applied, but they said, well, we'll see who gets those funds come the spring. And so we'll have to see what happens. Reproductive health advocates have raised concerns that if the state health department were to oversee those funds, that they would then use that to maybe limit which providers can receive them like Planned Parenthood affiliates in Missouri. One of the several fronts in Republican efforts in Missouri to limit Planned Parenthood's access to to funds uh, from any government source. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of their fears come from of just looking at the department's past handling of those issues. Not too many laws have reached the final passage stage, but some are getting closer, moving from one chamber to another. Besides what we've talked about, let me ask each of you before I let you go, what will you be watching for this week in the State House? Suzanne, uh, what's going on in Topeka that you're keeping an eye on? I'm watching, obviously, all of the education measures coming up. There are a lot of uh, school choice bills that are going to be interesting to look at. A lot of them were meshed with this Parents' Bill of Rights and other measures uh, passed through. Uh, Some would allow open enrollment, which I know is uh, popular in a lot of other states, uh, allowing students to attend any school they want to. Uh, Some measures involving education savings accounts that would allow students to attend private schools with some public money. Um, There's even a a measure here that would allow homeschool, they're called Tebow bills, named for uh, uh, football player Tim Tebow, that would allow homeschool students to play sports and other activities in public schools. So that's moving through as well. And Tessa, how about you? What are you watching in Jefferson City this week? Yeah, last week, a Senate committee restored a $15 an hour minimum wage um, pay bump that Governor Parson has said is one of his key priorities. Um, The pay raise would be for state employees. The House had previously passed a version of the pay plan that would have only given that $15 an hour raise to employees who directly care for patients, like in veteran homes or mental health facilities. And so now that the Senate has restored those raises, we can expect that supplemental spending bill to come to the Senate floor. And I think also be just watching for to see what the Senate can do this week. It's been mired in infighting and dysfunction over debate on the congressional maps. Last week, they had paused discussing those in hopes of moving on to other priorities. Those were quickly met with some pushback by conservative senators who have really made clear they want a map that would craft, um, that would give Republicans an extra seat in Congress. And we even saw one of those lawmakers face repercussions. Um, Senator Mike Moon, a Republican from Ashgrove, was reprimanded for wearing overalls on the Senate floor and removed from most of his committee assignments, which is a really rare punishment. And the Senate, the Senate President Pro Tem said, you know, he could regain those assignments if he apologized and accused him of violating the decorum of the chamber. So it was another example of the deep fissures that have existed in the Senate and the Republican Party since last year. Nonstop fun and excitement in Missouri Senate. <laughs> it that, never ends. <laughs> that's Tessa Weinberg, who covers education and health care for the Missouri Independent. Suzanne Perez covers education for KMUW and is part of the Kansas News Service. Thanks to both of you for joining me this week. Thank, Thank you, you, Brian. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of Missouri and Kansas government and politics, including reporting from Tessa Weinberg and Suzanne Perez, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. No Mean Ujiadeen returns tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.